started a brand new series called Camping in the Parables. And we called it Camping in the Parables because you know this is to be true, that if you go camping, you expect um, for your life to be disrupted. You expect things not to be as they have always been. In fact, when you go camping, you typically leave all the comforts of your life behind and your life comes to like this jarring halt and all of a sudden you're going on this adventure that is drawing you forward that is not always comfortable, it's not always easy and it's oftentimes packed with a lot of uncertainty. But we also said if you're, if you're going camping and you, and you do it right, you don't come back with just like, oh my gosh, that was a beautiful experience. You actually come back somehow changed or marked or that your life is somehow different. Like you see things through a different lens. And for us, we said, man, that's exactly what the parables do. The parables of Jesus invite us to go on a journey with him, to leave some of our comforts behind, the things that we find familiar and that we typically surround ourselves with, and to go on a journey. And the parables say, if you do it and you do it well and you wrestle with them because they're not easy, that somehow you won't come with just a, oh, neat story, but you'll have a new lens, a new kingdom reality that you will begin to experience things through. Last week we said this, that the parables do actually this. They do a little bit of concealing and revealing. So what does that mean, that the parables of Jesus conceal and reveal? So you have to know that Jesus was a master, I mean, master storyteller. And one of the ways that he, he taught kingdom realities was through these parables. And these parables did a little bit of concealing and a little bit of revealing. And so here's what that might look like. Um, a couple years ago when I was doing student ministry, so actually a lot of years ago here at Riverside, um, we had this idea that we're going to have a mystery trip. And here's what we're going to do for the mystery trip. This was when I was transitioning out of student ministry, and we were like, let's plan one huge hoorah. And so we didn't tell the kids where they, where they were going. We didn't tell parents where they were going. And they showed up here at the church, and we had rented these RVs. And we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to toss all these kids in these RVs, and we're going to drive over, and we're going to camp at the Duck Dynasty headquarters in Mississippi, Louisiana area over there. And then we're going to drive up to the Smoky Mountains and go camping in the Smoky Mountains. And on the way home, we're going to go hit the beach at Florida, and then we're going to come back to Texas, and it's going to be awesome. So the kids show up here. They have no idea where we're going. Load them in the cars and have a great trip. Well, finally, when we make it up to the Smoky Mountains, um, we got whisper or this word that there is this beautiful, beautiful waterfall that's kind of hidden back off the trail. And to get to it, you got to kind of go exploring. And it's not easy. We understood that the waterfall was, was quite a hike to get over to it. And so I'm like, all right, guys, who's up for the adventure? Let's go find this waterfall. Let's go. And you know what was true? Only a few students wanted to go. Uh, only about, I don't know, a third of them were like, all right, John. Well, first of all, because I don't think they trust me. <laughs> but... But I'm like, all right, let's go find it. And so we go find this spectacular waterfall that's off the beaten path. Now, here's, here's why I tell you that, because that's what the parables do. The parables reveal who is actually hungry or who actually wants to see and who is here just to be here. And that's the nature of what the parables do. 
they reveal who's actually hungry, who actually wants to see it, who actually wants to experience the more that Jesus has to offer. And so the parables are not easy. And Jesus would say to us this morning, friends, friends, I've got something really beautiful to show you, but you got to want it. You got to want it and you got to want to come with me. And that's why we call it camping in the parables. All right. So that's where we're going to be going this morning. This week's parable is probably one of the more uh, famous of all of the parables, except for maybe one other that I can think of that we're going to hit next week. This week's um, parable is called the parable of the sower. And one of the beautiful things that we talked about last week is, is that the parables are like diamonds and that every time you hold a diamond up, it will, listen, somebody corrected me last week and was like, listen, when you hold up a diamond, it doesn't reflect light. It refracts light. That's not the same thing. And I'm like, all right, nerd. Okay, so here's the truth. <laughs> so when you hold up a diamond right here, it doesn't reflect, but it reflects, refracts light a certain way. And if you turn it, you, it does it a whole new way. And that's what the parable will do for us this morning. So for some of us, we're going to hear the parable of the sower, and you may have heard it maybe a thousand times, and yet I believe that God may kind of turn it and reveal something totally beautiful that you've never seen before. And for others, maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard this parable, and for you, I'm so excited because the Lord has something really beautiful that He wants to show you this morning. Now, uh, before we jump into it, I need you to hold something in your heart, and it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be, it's going to be a, a hard pill to swallow, all right? Next slide. Um, I want you to say this with me, all right? Uh, I'm, please repeat after me. I am responsible, I am responsible for the condition, for the condition of, my of my own heart. Let's say it all together. I am responsible for the condition of my own heart. No, for real. My bride is not responsible for the condition of my own heart. You, as much as you, I love you and you, hopefully you love me, I, you are not responsible for the condition of my heart. My circumstances are not responsible for the condition of my heart. My job is not responsible for the condition of my heart. My spouse is not responsible for the condition of my heart. I take responsibility for the condition of my heart. And with that being held, with that tough pill to swallow this morning, we're going to jump in to the parable of the sower. But I want you to hold that, that I am responsible for the condition of my own heart. All right? So that's it. That's where we're going to be going this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you want to grab your Bibles, it'll be on the screens, or you can open up your Bible app and follow along with us this morning. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to kind of work our way through it, and then we're going to hit pause and say, now what? What do we do with that? And, uh, or the so what? How does this, what difference does this make in my life? Uh, so uh, I'll read it to us, and I hope you guys will follow along. Mark 4, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus talking. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lakes, by a lake. The crowd gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set it out in the lake. While all the people were gathered along the water's edge, he taught them many parables, all right? Um, so evidently, there is this large, large crowd that is pushing up with Jesus, uh, pushing onto Jesus, and he uh, 
pushes out into this boat and he begins to teach them this parable. I have a picture of this uh, location. It's a place that I've actually been to before. Uh, it's called uh, the Cove of the Sower is what it's traditionally known as. And it's the place where we believe that Jesus literally preached these words. And what is fascinating about this place that you can kind of see is um, uh, you can see how it kind of hugs in this horseshoe. And they believe what happened was is Jesus was in the middle of the horseshoe on a boat and pushed the boat out a little bit. And this place is special in nature because um, when Jesus would speak, or anybody, you can see people still do it to, the day, to this very day, test it out. I was one of them. That gets out into the water and speaks. And when you speak, the, your, uh, your voice reverberates off the water, and then it carries up into this horseshoe of, uh, of the land right here. And they guesstimate that there could be upwards of 7,000 people all tucked around this one little area hearing this parable of the sower, all right? So let's keep going. Look at verse 3. It says this, listen, a farmer went out to sow seeds. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil, oh, oops, excuse me, it sprang up quickly because the soil was was shallow. But when the sun came up, The plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they did not bear any grains. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and it grew and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some even a hundred times. And then Jesus says something spectacular. He says, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Evidently, Jesus is saying there is a type of person that has the ears to hear the things of God. And Jesus says, listen, those who have ears, listen. And so what is he doing? Hey, guys, I got this waterfall I want to take you to, but you got to want to hear it. You got to want to see it. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's inviting them in to a kingdom truth or a kingdom reality. Now, this parable is set apart from a lot of other parables that we have in the scriptures. It's a very unique parable because in this parable, Jesus actually, actually says, okay, let me tell you what it means. And this is one of the very few parables that, if I can think of any, where Jesus actually gives us the meaning of what the parable is actually about. It's like he's saying, all right, guys, come on in. I want you to understand this one. All right, look at verse 13. It says this. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable if you don't understand this parable? This parable right here is the key, Jesus seems to be saying, that unlocks every other parable that we're going to dive into this summer. And if you miss this one, if you miss the heart of this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. And so it's essential for us to take the words of Jesus and make sure that we're actually sucking them up and applying them in our lives. And so look at Jesus' explanation of what this strange parable actually means. Look at verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seeds along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away the word 
that was sown in them. Others are like are seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word, and once they receive it with joy, but since they have no roots going down, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution come because of this world, they quickly fall away. And still others are like seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but when the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in, it chokes out uh, the word, making it unfruitful. Listen to this, verse 20. Others are like the seed sown on good soil. They hear the word of God, they accept it, and it produces a crop, some 30, 60, and even 100 times that was sown. And so let's look at this very carefully, and I want us to digest kind of the different characters that Jesus refers to in this parable, and then we're going to do the hard work of asking the so what, all right? So let's look at a few of the different things that Jesus mentioned. So first, you have the sower. Um, the sower, your story, your, uh, your Bible may translate it farmer, depending on which uh, version that you are reading from. But you have a, a story of a farmer taking a bag of seed and just going it out and throwing it all over the ground. And it's landing in all different places. And at first reading of this parable, I'm like, listen, whoever this sower is, is not doing a very thoughtful job, obviously, because he's throwing the seed so liberally it's landing on places it's never going to grow. Why would he do that? Something is wrong with the sower. And I'm like, okay, so I pause and I consider that. And I'm like, the sower is doing exactly what the sower is designed and created to do. He's throwing the seed out. The problem is not with what the sower is doing or how the sower is doing it. The problem lies with the soil. The sower is not the problem. It's the soil. And this sower is throwing the seed liberally, in fact, everywhere. Next thing we see in the story, Jesus talks about the seed. What is the seed? The seed is God's word. And God's word, brothers and sisters, you have to know, is loaded with potential. God's word is actually loaded with potential, and it wants to grow something beautiful inside of you. Now remember, a seed is just that. It's just a seed. It's not fully realized until it has time to actually grow. And God's word is loaded with potential, but starts off as a seed. And so often what I do is I get that backwards. I'm like, Lord, just give me the harvest right now. God, I want everything that you've promised to me. I want it all right now. Give me the fully realized crop. And Jesus is like, no, but can I trust you with the seed? Can I trust you to start? For me, it's like, okay, so when I felt God's call in my life to be a pastor, it didn't start off with, with me having clarity about being a pastor. It had clarity with me being like, my life doesn't belong to me anymore, like it belongs to him. That was the seed that was originally planted, not the full realized dream. When I disciple my two girls, I don't see a harvest of righteousness in their life and a harvest of all that stuff right now. They're still young. I start with the seed. And I plant small seeds of the gospel inside of them. And one day I'm going to watch that grow and take root inside of them. I don't automatically see all of my neighbors come to know Jesus. That's the harvest. But you know what it starts with? Just a seed. Hey, I'm John. Are you new to the neighborhood? And it starts with a seed. 
But here's the thing about a seed. You have to understand that it is loaded with potential. But remember, a seed starts with just a seed. And don't mistake that God just gives the harvest right away. He plants a seed and he says, watch it grow and watch it mature. This is why it's so essential if the seed is God's word that you and I are the type of community that are just eating God's word consistently, that we are feasting on the scriptures, right? That we are just getting God's word tucked inside of us because it's loaded with potential. Martin Luther, one of the early reformer, reformers, said something just brilliant and super simple and yet profound. He said, every morning I get up and I preach the gospel to myself because every morning I get up and I forget the gospel. And so every morning I get up and I preach the gospel to myself. And what a powerful reminder that there is, and God's word is loaded with potential. And every single day I need to get up and preach God's word to myself so that I can be a person that bears much fruit. All right. The next you have um, the soil. And the soil uh, represents our, as Jesus said, our heart's condition. Um, that the soil is actually a metaphor for what the interior of your life actually looks like. Um, so, another hard thing for us to wrestle with this morning. Let's go. The effectiveness of the seed depends solely on the condition of the soil. The effectiveness of the seed depends solely on the condition of the soil, or you could say your heart. All right, that's really sober, sobering, and we got to deal with that. That God's word is loaded with potential. It is loaded with potential, and it starts off as a little seed. And I am responsible for the condition of my own heart, which means I take responsibility for hosting God's word inside of me, all right? And now Jesus goes and he unpacks the different types of soil. I want to do that real briefly for us this morning, all right? So if you go back to verse 15, it says this. Some people were like the seed sown along the path. And so this morning, I brought in some different soil types. And I don't know if you can really see this, um, but this is not good soil, <laughs> This is soil I pulled out of my backyard, and um, you can see, like, it's, it's really hard, and it's, I mean, it's really compact. And you try putting a, uh, a seed on top of that, it's not going to grow. Why? Because it's so pushed down and hard and compact that the seed can't do what it was designed to to do. It can't work its way down beneath the surface and get its roots and start to grow. Why? Because it's so hard pressed on top of it. And Jesus says, that's like a lot of us. That's like a lot of people. There are just some people. I have friends. I have family members. I have neighbors that are just like your, yours as well, that they are not receptive there is a hardness in their life where they do not want to hear anything about Jesus. Like, John, I don't need it. Don't be bringing that stuff up. I don't even want to pray before the Like, no, I don't want to hear it. Why? Because there's a hardness of their life going on. And it's real hard 
um, for anything to take root when there's a hardness in somebody's life. And Jesus says that's what the enemy loves to do. Did you know that? The enemy loves to derail and destroy and distract any type of movement of God. And he does that by keeping things on the surface, by keeping things surface level, by keeping you hard and not moldable. And so Jesus says, that's the first type of soil. Jump down to verse 16. It says this, other seed, um, others like seed sown in rocky places, hear the word of God. And once they received it with joy, and then they quickly turn away. So, ugh, this one's a heavy one. Uh, this is the rocky soil. And there are a uh, bunch of rocks in here, but as you can see, there's really good soil in there too. And Jesus says that there's a lot of us that are like that. There are a lot of us that have our hearts kind of like this. There's really good soil in there, and yet there's these really hard places of our life that keep the soil from really going down and taking root. Rocks, brothers and sisters, can mean a lot of different things. And please don't, please don't assume that you don't have them, because I have them, you have them, we all have them. But rocks, the hardness, can represent a lot of different things. Unforgiveness, rejection, pain, secret addiction, self-worry, condemnation. And all of those things actually do is keep you Keep God's word from taking root in your life. It says that at first they receive it well, but when the trials come, it quickly falls away. In my neighborhood, uh, I started a little disciple-making group with some of my friends in the neighborhood that I've gotten to know. And there's one of the guys in there, I may have told you this story, there's a, one of my friends in that group uh, that has a lot of trauma in his past, a, a physical abuse uh, emotional and mental abuse in his home. And uh, brand, brand new to even being willing to come and talk about Jesus. And the fun thing is literally week after week after week, I'm seeing his life transformed. Like there is soil there to the point where our group got to buy him his first Bible. First Bible and he's over 30 years old and did not own a Bible. Doesn't know where to turn and to even look into it. And yet, you know what was so, 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 so super sad is there is this slow drift, but a purposeful drift away. And what I noticed is, is because of all of the trauma and hurt and pain, there's a lot of rocks that are keeping him, keeping his journey or keeping the roots from really going down deep. And now we don't get to meet anymore. Because there's too many rocks that have been left unchecked and not being willing to look at. There's just too much pain and hurt and rejection there. And Jesus says a lot of us are like that. A lot of us have these rocks in our lives that keep the roots from growing really deep. How many people do you know like that? That start off, man, I'm all in, two feet all in, Jesus, I want it all. And like six months later, they're like, wait, what happened to them? They were so on fire. What happened to them? And Jesus would say, I've got lots of rocks. The roots aren't going deep because there's some stuff that has gone unchecked. Verse 18, the, the uh, third type of soil says this. Still others, like seed, were sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come and they choke it out. Think about that. That's a really strong word. 
Did you ever think about that there are things in this life that are seeking to choke out God's work, God's work in your life? There are literally things that are going to choke out, that are designed to choke out the movement of God in your life. And it says, making it unfruitful. And so the last, uh, the last bad soil is the soil with the thorns. And I picked all these weeds and stuff out of my backyard as well. And uh, just imagine uh, trying to plant something on this. Like, yeah, good luck. There's some uh, soil down here, but try to get anything to grow in there. And all of this weed and thorns and stuff is just going to suffocate it. It's going to choke it right out. It's just not going to grow. And it says, the worries of this world do that to us. Any worriers in here? I worry about my kids. Let me be honest. I worry about you. (laughs) I worry about retirement. I worry about saving enough for college. I worry about a lot of things. And Jesus seems to be saying, man, that's going to choke you out. The worries of this life will choke you out. And Jesus says, then he goes off and he says, the deceitfulness of wealth. Notice that Jesus does not say wealth in and of itself. He says the deceitfulness of wealth. And that's what's dangerous about wealth is you don't know it. If you're being deceived, do you know you're being deceived? No, because you're being deceived. And that's what Jesus says oftentimes what wealth does, either the lack of it or the abundance of it. The lack of it means Typically what we do is if we don't have a lot, we get to this place to say, gosh, my life is not valuable and I'm not important. There's no significance there. Or on the flip side of that, when we have a ton of money, we begin to think, man, I'm really somebody. I must be really important. And Jesus says, careful with money. Money in of itself is not, I mean, it's a blessing, but don't mistake it because it can be very deceitful because it carries often a value indicator over your life. And Jesus says, be very careful about that. Jesus says about the thorns, we might say it, it's the Jesus and gospel. Jesus and, oh, if my worries could just go away. Jesus and, if things in my life would just begin to take a different direction than they've been headed. Jesus and like, oh my gosh, if I could just get that promotion or buy the next thing or buy this thing or move to that neighborhood, go on those vacations. And Jesus says, careful, those things will choke you out. That's a Jesus and gospel, not just Jesus. Now, I ran across a story this uh, last week as I was studying uh, about a young athlete um, that when he was in his early uh, teens and all through his 20s was this stud, all-American athlete. His name is George Gahn. And uh, George Gahn was a like three-star athlete, went to college, played sports in college, and he was involved in this uh, train wreck, and it actually took off one of his arms. And the story goes that George was such a competitor that he wanted to find a new sport that he could compete in because he had that athletic drive inside of him, like so many of us do. Uh, and he, so he decided to pick up handball. <laughs> Does anybody know handball these days? Like, uh, this is a picture of him. This is George, right here. Uh, do we have it? Yeah, this is George, the one-handed uh, handball player. And what is fascinating about George, this happened obviously in the 40s and 50s, 
is that George went like 260-something uh, matches without losing one game. Unbelievable handball. I mean, like the world had never seen in handball before. And he was interviewed one time, and they said, George, what is your secret? How does a one-arm handball player beat all these people with two hands? And George thought about it for a second, and he says, when the ball comes off the wall, they have options. I don't have any other option. I know what I'm going to do. I know which hand I'm going to use. Because options can sometimes limit you and hold you back. Now, how true is that for us when we look at the soil of the weeds? If it's a Jesus and, Jesus and any other thing, it's actually suffocating. George would say to us, listen, if you have options, it can actually be limiting. It can limit what God wants to do in your life. George would say, I only have one choice. I only got one hand, and that's what I'm going to do. And I would propose to you this morning, friends, is that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no other option. <laughs> there is only one way, and there, that way is forward. It is not Jesus plus anything else. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. He is our only option. And that's what I believe Jesus is saying to us about that. Now, I want us to come back to this one phrase as we... Um, uh, actually, let me go to verse 20 real quick. It says this, Others, like seed sown on good soil... Hear the word, accept it, and it produces a crop. Some 30, 60, 90, and even 100 times. Now, this is the good soil right here. You can see, like, how soft it is. And you can see it just go back and forth. And, like, you plant something in there. This is not from my backyard. Uh, you plant something in there, and it will grow. Why? Because it's good, good soil. When God's word, the seed, gets implanted in good soil, it is unlimited explosive potential. Did you know that? That when you place a seed in good soil, it will grow. When you deposit God's word in good soil, you will grow. And not just like you're going to grow, but you will see exponential growth in your life. Why? Because there is, you have, there is an environment that is created where the potential of the seed can be realized. Even when it's raining, even when it's storming, even when it's cold, even when there's a lot going on, you may not see it, but the seed is always working. The seed is always working. It's always growing. It's always uh, germinating. It's always coming alive. And that's what God's Word does in our lives. Even when you think it may not be working, even when you may not see its results or you may not see its fruitfulness, it is still working underneath the soil. That's what Jesus says about God's word being tucked into good soil. Now, I want us to go back to that one question that we started off the morning with that says, I am responsible for the condition of my own heart. I am responsible for the condition of my own heart. Now, friends, if I were to ask you right now, which one of these is you? How would you really do it? For real, like, how would you respond to this? And even more importantly than that, maybe we should start here is, are you paying attention to your heart? Are you paying, are you paying attention to the condition of the soil, which Jesus calls your heart? A farmer just can't 
plant things out there. He has to work the field. He pays attention to the field. He's always, he or she is always working in the field. Why? Because if it goes left unchecked, it's not going to be good uh, soil. It will not produce the way it should be. So friends, I got to ask you, like, how's the condition of your heart? Are you paying attention to the condition of your heart? Do you have a hardened heart? Is it really hard where it's just surface level with you? Because, man, there's been so much trauma and pain and hurt that ain't nothing going to be real. It's all going to stay on the surface. Is your heart, like there's some good soil in there. There's, there's some fruit going to happen. But let's be honest, there's no roots going deep. And you're just going to bounce around and, and waver at the first sign of trouble. Are you have a Jesus and gospel where, like, there's some fruit there, but there's a lot of other things that are going to distract you and that are going to want to suffocate the work of God. It's a Jesus and gospel. Or are you humble and soft and moldable and teachable where God's word gets implanted inside of us and something beautiful actually happens? I want us to kind of head towards kind of a wrap-up. And I want to encourage you to, as you wrestle with, like, for real, what is the condition of your heart? I want you to begin to ask the Lord to reveal, not where you like to be, where, you, where maybe you pretend to be, but where you actually are right now. And to ask God to begin to go to work, to invite the Holy Spirit into your life, to begin to till up the hard places of your life to begin to go to work on the rocky places of your heart where there is a Jesus plus anything else that those things would get weeded out, they would get pruned out, clipped out so that you and I can be good soil. Did you know that all soil is regenerative soil? I had to actually kind of look up what that meant this week. Regenerative means that like it can be made useful or new again. That means that no matter the condition of your heart, whichever one it is, you can be good soil again if you and I invite the gardener in. If we invite, if we do the work, the hard work, the courageous work of looking at our own hearts, where we're hard, where we're pressed down, where there's rocks, where there's a Jesus plus any other thing. You have to understand that all soil is regenerative soil, but we have to pay attention to it. You just can't let it go in your heart is the same way. Who is responsible for the seed? Jesus. But brothers and sisters, you are responsible for the soil. God is responsible for the potential, but you are responsible for the soil, for the condition of your own heart. I don't know what else to tell you this morning, but for me, that leaves me in a place of, man, if my heart is hard and pushed down. Jesus, please, would you come in and would you do the hard work of tilling it all up? God, would you begin to go to work? Would you take this dry and dusty heart and allow it to be tilled up, to be turned over so that I could be good soil again?
Jesus, for those areas of my life where there are things in my life that are rock, that are, I just got these rocks of hurt and pain and secret addiction and unforgiveness. Jesus, oh God, would you please go to work? Would you give me the courage to remove rock by rock with you? And if there is anything in my life where I have said it's Jesus plus anything else, God, would you help me prune out those areas of your life? I want to be like old George. There is no other option. You are it, Jesus. So that you and I could be good soil that produces a harvest, 30, 60, or even 90-fold. This morning, I could not be more excited for a lot of reasons. The parable, my boy Cinco, and that this morning we get to take communion together. Um, this will be the first time that we've taken communion kind of back to normal in over a year. And I think it's such a beautiful invitation for us this morning. As we talk about the parable of the sower, there is this beautiful invitation from Jesus himself to, to say, what is the condition of your heart? Could you, could I, could we be the type of community that has the courage to pause to slow down, and to look at the soil in our life. And then invite the gardener to go to work. So this morning, I've inv uh, invited our good friend Judy, who's also on our board, to come and lead us in our time of communion. And she's going to come up here and lead us in our time, and then we'll take communion together this morning. Is it on? Yes, it is. Uh, well, how appropriate for John, then, with the parable today, to ask an Iowa farm girl to come up here and talk about a little bit of the parable of the story. So, yes, I grew up in the far northwest corner of Iowa, um, lived on the family farm. The family farm's been in our family for over 133 years, which is very unique uh, these days, especially with large corporations. So, kind of knowing uh, firsthand uh, farming uh, and keeping and tending to the soil. So I grew up, and in that process, I loved being outside with my dad. I uh, would much rather shovel manure than I would be inside cooking, and thank goodness I married my husband who loves cooking, because otherwise that would not be good. Um, within that time, though, there are seasons of a farmer's uh, planting schedules, and so you think that, well, what are they doing during the winter months? You know, nothing's growing, but yet at the same time, that's a critical part of the seeds that are growing and fertilizing the soil. So disking is done at the end of harvest, and that is cutting down the corn stalks and preparing that ground for the rough winter months. Uh, once spring comes, uh, they can get in their plows and dig deep in that dirt and till the ground so it's ready to receive that seed. Uh, while the corn's coming up or the beans are coming up, they get out a cultivator and they start really working that soil again to help protect those plants that are growing. I remember many, many hours out walking the beans. Means you just literally walk up and down the rows and pull the weeds by hand. So a lot of care and a lot of that goes into planting and tending that soil. One of the things that's still consistent today is they have a, what's called a CSR report. It's a corn sustainability report. And that really does set the value of the land for appraisers or real estate agents who are getting ready to sell or purchase land for development. 
So that CSR report, and I think, oh my gosh, this is perfect. What about that CSR report instead of a corn sustainability report? What if this is a Christ sustainability report of our hearts? And I just thought that's so appropriate as we take and accept communion today. Here we are receiving God, the story of God that Jesus gave to his disciples, taking that bread, taking it in. This is a reminder that God within us. So for this morning, we're uh, ready to celebrate. Uh, and in Matthew, uh, actually any of the Gospels, they do say uh, the story. And I think it's a good reminder for us to reread the story, just as parables are a good reminder for God to remember the things that he's telling his people. So with that, during the Last Supper, God took the bread, Jesus took the bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples, take, eat. This is my body which is given to you. After the supper, he took the cup. This is my blood which was shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. So in a moment, we're going to have you come forward. We do have different stations serving for communion. Um, we also have, for those who don't want to partake or being served, they do still have the cups there that you can take one of the cups and self-serve as well. We also will have the prayer teams over on the side, so if you want to uh, have a moment of prayer and reflection of your own, uh, those stations will be available. So you can come down the aisles and go by the side.